Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. On Monday, we ended the story of the binding or sacrifice of Isaac. And we wondered at the time, what, if anything, did Abraham tell Sarah about the aborted sacrifice of Isaac on Mount Moriah? Well, we really don't know. Sarah is never mentioned in the binding story. So, presumably, she knew nothing about it. But it's likely that she would have learned about it afterward. Abraham and Isaac went through a very traumatic experience, and there were servants present throughout the entire journey to and from Mount Moriah. And servants talk. And we only know that between the binding story and Sarah's death shortly afterward, Sarah is silent. She, of whom God said to Abraham, listen to her voice, never speaks another word. And what of Isaac? As we read in Isaiah 53, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Well, we know nothing of Isaac's relationship with his father before the binding story. For the last we saw Isaac was at his weaning when he was only two or three years old. After the binding, however, we see plenty of both Abraham and Isaac. But tellingly, Isaac never utters a word to his father, nor does his father speak to him. In the dark shadow of the aborted sacrifice, it seems an extremely cruel irony that Isaac's name means laughter. And yet, the covenant's promise of redemption will pass through Isaac. But at 40 years old, Isaac has no wife and no child. And indeed, he lives apart from Abraham in the Negev, near Beer Lehiroi. That's a spring in the wilderness on the way to Shur, the very spring at which the angel of the Lord spoke to Hagar when she ran away from Sarah. He lives there, apparently alone, and as we'll learn in a little bit, he lives in his dead mother Sarah's tent. We could probe the psychology of this for the next month and a half. But Abraham must act if the covenant is to be fulfilled. So, we read in Genesis 24, Abraham said to the senior servant of his household, who had charge of all his possessions, Put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live but that you will go by my own land and to my relatives to get a wife for my son Isaac. So concerned that Isaac will have no heir, Abraham enlists his senior household servant, Eleazar of Damascus, to find a wife for Isaac among Abraham's own people, those who continued living in Haran after Abraham, Sarah, and his nephew Lot left way back in Genesis chapter 12. <laughs> and Abraham makes Eleazar swear an oath 
by placing his hand under Abraham's thigh. The great medieval rabbi Rashi says this is Abraham's milha, his organ of circumcision, which bears the sign of the covenant and is the instrument of procreation. So Eleazar takes an oath on the great patriarch Abraham's family jewels. Now that is a serious oath. <laughs> the servant asks him, Well, what if the woman is unwilling to follow me to this land? Should I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham told him, Oh, no, never take my son back there for any reason. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and the land of my relatives, and who confirmed by oath the promise he made to me, I will give this land to your descendants. He will send his angel before you, and you will get a wife for my son there. And if the woman is unwilling to follow you, you'll be released from the oath to me. But never take my son back there. So the servant put his hand on the family jewels and swore to Abraham concerning this matter. So Eleazar heads north to Haran. Haran is about 660 miles north of Beersheba. 666 miles. It's a long journey. And the servant took ten of his master's camels, and bearing all kinds of gifts from his master, he made his way to the city of Nahor in Aram Neharim. Near evening, at the time when women go out to draw water, he made the camels kneel by the well outside the city. Nahor is a little village on the outskirts of Haran, named after Abraham's brother, Nahor. Aram Hehaharim is an alternate place name for Haran. Now it's near evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And notice that Eleazar has with him ten camels loaded with gifts. Eleazar will seek hospitality in Haran, and seeking hospitality obligates the guest to bring gifts for the host, especially if the guest, guest is seeking a wife for his master's son. And then he said, The Lord God, God of my master Abraham, let it turn out favorably for me today and thus deal graciously with my master Abraham. While I stand here at the spring." and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water, if I say to a young woman, please lower your jug that I may drink, and she answers, drink, oh, and by the way, I'll water your camels, then she is the one whom you've decided upon for your servant Isaac. In this way, I will know that you have dealt graciously with my master. That will be a sign of a gracious hospitable young woman, just the sort that would make the perfect wife for Isaac. Now, here are a few facts about camels that you should know. A camel lives 40 or 50 years. A full-grown adult camel stands 6 feet tall at the shoulder and 7 feet tall at the hump. Camels are fast. 
They can run 40 miles per hour in bursts, outracing a horse, and 25 miles per hour over long distances. And here's something I didn't know until I looked it up. Camels have oval rather than round red blood cells that make them better than other mammals at withstanding high osmotic variation without rupturing when drinking large amounts of water. And get this, an adult camel can drink 50 gallons of water in three minutes. 50 gallons of water in three minutes. Imagine what 10 camels drinking together sounds like. Well, Eleazar had scarcely finished speaking when Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, came out with a jug on her shoulder. The young woman was very beautiful, a virgin, untouched by man. And she went down to the spring and filled her jug. And as she came up, the servant ran toward her and he said, Please give me a sip of water from your jug. And she replied, Drink, sir. And quickly lowering the jug into her hand, she gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, Oh, and by the way, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've finished drinking. So with that, she quickly emptied her jug into the drinking trough and ran back to the well to draw more water until she had enough for all the camels. Enough water for all the camels. 10 camels drinking 50 gallons of water in three minutes. That's 500 gallons of water being hauled up from a well. And those camels are going to be snorting and bumping each other to get at it. Why, Rebecca is going to be busier than a one-armed paper hanger. Well, Eleazar watched her the whole time, silently waiting to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. And when the camels had finished drinking, Eleazar took out a gold nose ring weighing half a shekel, two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels for her wrists. And then he asked her, Who are you? Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. And is there a place in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. Oh, we have plenty of straw and fodder, she added, and also a place to spend the night. Eleazar then knelt down and bowed down to the Lord, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not let his kindness and fidelity toward my master fail. As for me, the Lord has led me straight to the house of my master's brother. Then the young woman ran off and told her mother's household everything that had happened. Now we were introduced to Rebecca in a short genealogy that followed the binding of Isaac's story, foreshadowing this very event. We read in chapter 22, sometime after the aborted sacrifice of Isaac, news came to Abraham. Milcah too has borne sons to your brother Nahor. Uz, his firstborn, and his brother Buzz. Remember, Uz and Buzz. Kamuel, the father of Aram, Hesed, Hatso, Pildash, Yidlaf, and Bethuel. 
Bethuel, became the father of Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor. So we have this little hint of what was going to happen later on. Now, Rebekah had a brother named Laban. Uncle Laban. I had an uncle Laban, and I know this guy Laban. Laban rushed outside to the man at the spring, and when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, and when he heard Rebekah repeating what the man had said to her, he went to him while he was standing by the camels at the spring, and he said, Oh, come, blessed of the Lord, why are you standing outside when I've made the house ready, as well as a place for all the camels? Uncle Laban knows opportunity when he sees it. Knocking at the door, opportunity, the nose rings, the bracelets, the whole train of camels, and with an eligible sister, he sees a potential suitor, and quite a wealthy one at that. Old Uncle Laban's a sly old fox, as we'll soon learn. The man then went inside. And while the camels were unloaded and provided with straw and fodder, water was brought to bathe his feet and the feet of the men who were with him, all the servants who came along. But when food was set before him, he said, I will not eat until I've told my story. They replied, Please do. So Eleazar then recounts the whole story of Abraham sending him to Haran to get a wife for Isaac meeting Rebekah at the well, her offering him water and then watering the camels, giving Rebekah the gifts, and thanking the Lord for his success in finding an eligible wife for Isaac from Abraham's own family. Then, Eleazar puts the offer of marriage on the table. Laban and Bethuel said in reply, Ha ha ha! This thing comes from the Lord! We can, we can say nothing to you either for or against it. Here's Rebecca right in front of her, right in front of you. Take her and go that she may become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has said. Well, I told you they saw opportunity knock, uh, heard opportunity knocking. Laban and his father Bethuel realize they have hit the jackpot. They have won the lottery. Yes, they chime in without hesitation. Take her and go. Didn't I tell you Laban was a sly old fox? And when Abraham's servant heard their answer, he bowed to the ground before the Lord. And then he brought out objects of silver and gold and clothing and presented them to Rebekah. He also gave costly presents to her brother and mother. And after he and the men with him had eaten and drunk, they spent the night there. They had quite the banquet that night. Now the next morning, Eleazar prepares to leave, but Uncle Laban and Rebekah's mother ask for a 10-day delay. Now, knowing Uncle Laban, I've got to wonder that after sleeping on it, does Laban think he might up the ante? And when Eleazar begs off, they say, well, let's ask Rebekah. What a novel idea. Hey, why don't we ask the girl? <laughs> But Rebecca is chomping at the bit, eager to go, so her family sends her off with a blessing. 
Sister, may you grow into thousands of myriads, and may your descendants gain possession of the gates of their enemies. And with that, Rebecca and her attendants mount camels, and Eleazar leads them on the 660-mile journey south toward the Negev and toward Isaac. That's a long journey. The ancient Silk Road that stretched from China to the eastern Mediterranean coast had caravan sarais, inns to host travelers at 20 to 25 mile intervals, a day's journey. We've actually stayed at a caravan sarai in central Turkey. Now, if Eleazar, Rebecca and company traveled at about the same pace, the 660 mile journey would take roughly one month. And I'll bet all along the way, Rebecca asked Eleazar a whole lot of questions about Isaac. Is he handsome? Is he a nice man? What are his friends like? What's he look like? Can you describe him? Is he a short little guy or a big tall guy? Oh, I hope he's not a big fat guy. Does he have a nice home? Meanwhile, Isaac had gone from Ber Leharoi and was living in the region of the Negev. Now one day, toward evening, he went out to walk in the field. Note he lives all by himself out in the wilderness. One evening, he simply went out for a walk and he caught sight of camels approaching. Rebecca, too, seated seven feet up on the camel, caught sight of Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who, who's the man over there walking through the field toward us? Oh, he's a handsome young fellow. That's my master, replied the servant. Then she took her veil and covered herself. Can't you just hear the music playing as the two approach each other? Oh, I'm getting tears in my eye. Then Isaac brought Rebecca into the tent of his mother, Sarah. He took Rebecca as his wife. Isaac loved her and found solace after the death of his mother. So Isaac has been living in Rebecca's tent in the Negev, far away from Abraham, all that while. Again, we could probe the psychology of this until doomsday. It speaks volumes about Isaac, his silence and isolation after the binding story, his mother's death, and perhaps about his relationship with his father, Abraham. Well, I don't know. How will it turn out for Isaac and Rebecca? We have quite the love story here. We've just met Rebecca. But what will happen next? After the honeymoon, what will happen? Well, we shall find out on Friday's podcast. Okay, see you then, gang. Blessings to all. Bye-bye.